All right, guys, I'm going to officially bring this meeting to a close. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Okay, see you after Christmas. Once again, I hope you enjoyed the storytelling artistry of Jonathan Bryant, our video director. When Johnny shared that story, kind of invited us into a little window in his own family. I'm always amazed at all of the little details that come together because for some of you, this has actually been your experience. My hope and prayer is that in the midst of all of this time, you'll find a little joy today. Pastor Jim Scobie was my pastor, my first boss, my hero, my mentor, and my friend, Laurel and I had the privilege of serving with Jim at Emmanuel Evangelical Free Church in Steinbach, Manitoba, and to all of our friends from Emmanuel Free who may be watching today, hi, we miss you. If you've been around Christ the King for any amount of time, you've heard my stories of Jim, and you've heard my best impression of his gentle Scottish lilt. Jim passed away a few weeks ago from complications from COVID-19. And in hearing of his passing, my heart was broken, broken for a moment, and then filled with unbelievable gratitude and joy. You see, Jim loved Jesus with everything in his gentle Scottish heart. And I could just picture him saying, oh, Grant, Grant and Laurel, I love you. And heaven, heaven is remarkable. Serving under Jim was pure joy. My friend Lou Reimer sent me a message that Jim preached a few years ago, and suitably it was entitled, Joy. So without apology this weekend, I'm going to steal all of Jim's stuff. And if you get anything out of this message at all, I hope and pray that you will thank Jesus for Pastor Jim Scobie. I have been doing that a lot over the past weeks. Last week we started a new series called So This Is Christmas. We began with a simple statement of reality. Christmas is different this year, but that's when a question popped in. My question for 2020 was this, what if God has a plan? What if God is up to something that we can't see? What if God is doing something that we can't comprehend? What if God is redeeming something that we think is irreversibly broken? What if God is redeeming someone that you think is utterly lost? What if God has a plan? What if God has a plan specifically for you? And what if the unthinkable is going on? What if joy is still on the table in the middle of all of this crazy? 
It happens all over the Bible. God has a plan. He lays out the plan, and when people step into it and towards it, instead of resisting it and pulling away from it, the most incredible result shows up. It's joy. And I know some of you are thinking, Grant, the last thing I need today is a pep talk on joy. Here's my biblical godly response. Too bad. We need to walk through this together. In the book of Acts, there's this terrified young church, and they were marked not by their theology or their org chart, but by their joy. The Ethiopian eunuch meets Jesus through a man by the name of Philip on the side of a road, and the Bible says he left that encounter filled with great joy. A Philippian jailer and his family all come to Jesus, and the Bible says that what happened to them is they were filled with great joy. Joy. When Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, his disciples went back to Jerusalem and an unknown future. And the Bible says they were filled with great joy. The Greek word for joy actually has a prefix. You may recognize it. The word is mega. Mega joy. That's the biblical definition of joy. Grand joy, great joy, large joy, incomprehensible joy. And it's available to every single person who knows Jesus. In fact, you should know this. If you're a follower of Christ, joy is your birthright. It's also the standing order of anyone who follows Jesus. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. But there's a problem. When it comes to joy, we are horrible at it. Like, we're just horrible at it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, speaking to his mammoth congregation in London, said this, Oh, cheerful, happy, joyous people. I wish there were more of you. A world-renowned atheist philosopher said, I would believe in their salvation if they looked a little more like people who had been saved. St. Teresa of Avila, one of my favorite classic saints, was so bothered by her experience with sad Jesus followers, she said this, God, save us from such gloomy saints. And Billy Sunday, the Billy Graham of his day, said this, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity. Joy seems to have leaked out of so many of us these days. Make sure you understand, I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness comes and goes and is completely dependent on what's going on around you. I read this this past week. Happiness is fickle and requires happy circumstances. Joy, on the other hand, sticks around. It doesn't get chased off by trouble. Joy actually resides in the middle of difficult circumstances. So I'm not talking about a fake, happy, clappy, paste a smile on your face, fake it till you make it kind of emotion. That's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about joy and joy goes deeper. I'm talking about an authentic, real, in the middle of the hard stuff, when times are tough, heart response that believes God has got to be up to something. And instead of pulling away from his plan, I'm going to move towards his plan with expectant joy. As we mentioned in the, in the Advent moment of this weekend service, there was little joy in first century Israel. Government oppression was pressing down on people through the heavy hand of the Roman Empire. An ordered census was sending everyone back to their hometown. You got a problem with contact tracing? You should have been encountering this. Everybody's got to go home to wherever you are born to register. 
On top of that, there was a severe lack of food. There was sickness, loss of hope. And on top of that, the people of Israel had been waiting for this promised Messiah for centuries. And waiting had worn down even the most faithful heart. On top of that, God hadn't spoken to his people in 400 years. And then, quietly, strategically, miraculously, purposefully, God started moving in the most incredible ways and he chooses very specific people to be a part of his master plan to bring salvation to the world. So for a few moments this weekend, we're going to focus on some of the roles in God's mysterious plan to save the world. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to listen to what God asks these real people to do. I want you to listen to how he asks them to be a part of his plan. And then I want you to ask yourself, would I be willing to do that? And question number two, if I did that, would I be willing to respond in joy? Here we go. Let's start with Elizabeth. Elizabeth shows up early in the Christmas story. She's Mary's elderly cousin. And an angel shows up and says, Liz, here's your role. You're going to be part of a geriatric pregnancy. Yes, right? I know you already belong to AARP. You've been getting your senior discount for a really, really long time. But here's what you need to know. There's a baby coming and you're going to carry him. Elizabeth's husband, his name was Zechariah, is a priest. And he's been living with the stigma of childlessness for his whole ministry. In this culture, not having children was wrongfully seen as God's judgment. It wasn't true then, and it's still not true today. But can you imagine being Elizabeth? Hey, Elizabeth, you're 100 and whatever, and you're going to have a baby. Wow, where do I sign up for that plan? She's married to Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. He goes to the temple one day and is chosen to offer incense on behalf of the people. Just so you know, that was a really big deal. So he purifies himself. He goes in and runs right into an angel. And the angel says to him, Hey, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Elizabeth is pregnant. Wow. Really? Have you checked out Elizabeth's birth certificate? I don't want to be cruel, but she's old. Zechariah is more than a little skeptical. And because he's a little resistant, God shuts his mouth and his role becomes one of strategic silence. Angel says to him, no talking for you. No talking for you. I wish I had that angelic power at times for people. I'm like, no talking for you. Zip it. No more words. Some of you wish that God would do that to me on a fairly regular basis. Let's be real, okay? I love this couple. They faithfully played the role that God had for them their whole lives. And their whole lives, they had been praying for a miracle and waiting. And waiting. And waiting. I know another family who has been waiting for a miracle for a really, really long time. And many of you for more than 20 years at CTK have been waiting with us. Our own family has been waiting for the miracle of God to touch and restore and heal Laurel's eyesight. And we'd like to invite you into that journey a little deeper than we've ever gone before. We're going to do that because just like Elizabeth and Zechariah have invited us into their journey, we think everyone wins when you have an opportunity to get a front row seat on someone else's story. 
So this weekend, for the first time ever, CTK is releasing a brand new podcast called Continuing the Conversation with Grant and Laurel Fishbook. What I love about the podcast is I'm not the primary voice. I'm not the moderator or the person who asks all the brilliant questions. That actually, that role actually belongs to my wife, Laurel. If you know this about Laurel, Laurel can't see faces anymore, so she has to rely on questions, and you have to use your words in order to have a conversation. And so we wanted to have an opportunity to share a conversation that we actually had months ago with our two children. Braden and McKenna. They're going to give you an up-close and personal understanding of what it's like to wait expectantly for a miracle and all that goes along with that when the person you want the miracle for is your mom. So we want to invite you into that conversation. If you go to podcast.ctk.church, you can find it. In the days to come, you'll be able to search that title on all of the major podcast platforms You'll be able to find us. We're already up on most of them. Apple's dragging its feet. It's taking a little while for us to get up on that one, so you can look at that later on this week. Once again, our first conversation is with our own kids. And so that means if you have a family, if you've ever struggled with waiting for a miracle, or even if you're just curious about how those things work, we would invite you to subscribe to the podcast because we would really like to continue the conversation with all of you. Let's move on to Mary. Mary, you're young. We like to put Mary in her mid-20s so she can handle everything. The reality is Mary would have been somewhere most likely between 14 and 16. Mary, your role is an unplanned pregnancy. Oh, by the way, an unmarried, unplanned pregnancy in this culture could result in your death. It was not right, but it was true. Mary's faced with this huge decision. Do I actually believe that God has a plan enough to completely surrender all of me? Not just the emotional part of me, not just the spiritual part of me, but the physical part of me. Am I actually willing to believe that God has a plan enough to surrender all of me for the sake of the world's deliverance and the sake of the world's joy? And how about Joseph? Hey, Joseph, your role is going to be to embrace the reality that when we get to the end of this story, you're going to have a completely ruined reputation. Joseph was what was known as a Sadiq. He was highly visible, a highly revered spiritual leader in his community, even though he was pretty young too. He was betrothed to Mary, which that culture took as seriously as marriage. And for you to get pregnant before the marriage ceremony, it was scandalous. Question, would you be willing to give up your reputation if God asked you to do something crazy? Some of us right away go like, whoa, 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 I don't want anybody to think I'm a Bible thumper. <laughs> Why not? Surely God wouldn't ask me to do something that crazy, would he? How about Herod? Herod's a bit of an outlier in the Christmas story, but he has a role too. Herod, your role is to perpetuate paranoid genocide. In fact, I'll correct my own outline. If you want to be technical about it, it's not genocide, it's infanticide. Boy, we don't like that part of the story, do we? We often glance over the backdrop of that part of the story because the truth is when Herod heard that a Jewish king was born in his area, he freaked out and ordered the death of all innocent boys under the age of two. We don't like that story intermixed with our Christmas dinner and our Christmas wish list, but it was real. And Herod played his role of paranoid evil leader far too well. 
How about the shepherds? Your role is to be reluctant missionaries. Truth is, shepherds were outcasts. They preferred the shadows in the hills rather than the crowds in the cities because nobody wanted to be around them. They were regarded with suspicion. Jewish law actually said that shepherds were not allowed to testify in court because everyone just assumed they were lying. And that's who Jesus invites to his birthday party. I love that. Hey, Jesus, would you like all of the local dignitaries to be there? No, thanks. Hey, Jesus, would you like a list of, an A-list of celebrities to show up at your birthday party? No, thank you. Well, then who do you want to have? I want Joseph, Mary, some animals, and those guys. Why do you want those guys? Nobody wants those guys to be around. Exactly. I'm sending a message. I like the outcasts. I like the people that nobody else understands. I like the people with all the mess. I want them to come to my birthday party. It's going to be fantastic. One more group. The wise men. Now they show up a few years later. But God had a role for them. Hey guys, your role is to play that role of relocated seekers. Because you're going to seek after a God that you don't even believe in. So you're going to need to pack your bags for a long time. I hope you enjoy nighttime pilgrimages because that's the only time your GPS is going to show up. You're going to go into the middle of an obscure part of the world. You're going to look for a Hebrew legend. And when you find him, you're going to be forced to have a, a moment. Even though you don't even have a context for who he is because you're from the outside, when you find him, you're going to worship. Wow. I look at all of the players, the people, and I wonder, I wonder if God asked me to do something like that, would I say yes? Even more than that, would I be willing to say yes with expectant joy? Because here's what's amazing. You can't deny it. All through the Christmas story, joy, joy keeps showing up. In the middle of the crazy assignments, joy shows up. In the questions and the confusion, joy shows up. For every single one of the characters, with the exception of Herod, Joy shows up. The unexpected outcome when we join God in his mysterious plan is this. It's joy. In fact, in your outline, I listed a bunch of scriptures, all of which have one thing in common, a joyful response to God's crazy plan. And if you want to check out and find out whether or not I'm lying to you or not, you can go and check them out this afternoon when you get home. I'll give you a brief overview. Zechariah finds out he's going to have a son. His son ultimately becomes John the Baptist. And these are the words of Scripture. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. Elizabeth has an encounter with Mary. And Scripture says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Even the little ones are getting involved. Elizabeth's community responds to this, this unbelievable pregnancy and says her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. The people of Israel who've been waiting for 400 years hear these words, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. When you need redemption and redemption actually shows up, there's only one emotion that bubbles out of you. It's joy. The shepherds, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. When you finally have resolution to the story you've been looking for for years, you have joy. To the wise men, the seekers, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. To the new parents, Mary and Joseph, it says, while they were there. 
The time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. If you've ever had the privilege of being there in the moment, in the room, at the birth of a child, there's only one response, joy. And then to the whole world, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. That's why we sing it every single year. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Joy all through the story. And here's the only lesson that I would love for all of us to get this morning about joy. Here's the remarkable truth about God's joy. When I give away my joy, I don't have less, I have more. Let me say that again. When I give away my joy, I don't end up with less joy, I actually end up with more joy. And that's the way it works with God's economy. It doesn't work that way with everything. If you have a slice of pizza and somebody comes and says, I want your pizza, and they take it from you, you have less pizza and more hunger. That's the way that it works, right? But that's not the way that it works in God's kingdom or God's economy. Think about it. Hope, peace, love, joy. Every single time you give one of those away, you get more in return. When I give away joy, I don't end up with less. I end up with more. Some of you are skeptical. Let me explain it to you this way. This happened to me about a week and a half ago. So I'm going to meet Pastor Bob Marvel from Cornwall Church. Bob and I are very dear friends, probably consider ourselves brothers. If you don't know and you're watching online, Cornwall is an amazing church. They're just a few miles away from us. And Bob and I have been great friends. We ran a marathon together. We hang out. We do life together very closely. And we were going to meet for one of our parking lot meetings. I've been doing a lot of those lately, right? Go through by your coffee. The person you're meeting gets their coffee. You park one stall apart, roll down your windows and have a conversation through your window. So I'm going to meet Bob for one of these parking lot meetings. I pull up into the drive-thru and I order my coffee. Bob pulls in right behind me. So I say to the wonderful young lady who was working as the barista that day, I'm like, hey, don't let the guy behind me pay for his coffee. I got it. She starts laughing. She goes, when he ordered, he told us not to let you pay for your coffee because he wants to pay for your coffee. So we're both giggling back and forth. So I yell out my window, hey, Marvel, be nice to these barista people. I got your coffee. Don't complain. So then we pull out. We actually ended up getting out of our cars that day because they had the fireplace on outside of the little coffee shop over here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can be six feet apart. It's still warm on the patio. It was fantastic. And we enjoyed life together. It was real. It was raw. We both laughed at different times. I'm pretty sure Bob cried at least once or twice. I didn't cry because I never cry. But Bob Marvel always cries. People that know about that will be laughing. Okay, anyway, so, and we end up sitting there together and suddenly the barista comes out and she says to Bob, this is just so cool. He paid for you and then you paid for the lady behind you. And the lady behind you was just like, really? Somebody bought my coffee? Really? And then the barista pulls out two coffee cards and says, Somebody pulled through the drive-thru and bought both of you guys coffee cards. Bob got joy. I got joy. The barista got joy. The lady that Bob paid for her coffee, she got joy. And then our friend in the Fastenal truck, he got joy too, and we got joy and coffee cards on top of it. Do you see how it works? Every time you give away joy, you don't end up with less joy, you end up with more. Joy. 
That's how it works in God's kingdom and God's economy. Do you want to change the trajectory of your Christmas season? Try that this week. Give away some joy and find out you will not have less. You will have more. I got a little handwritten note this past week. All it said was, Dear Pastor, we love you. We're with you. Filled up my love tank for a whole day. I have no idea what small sacrifice they needed to make. What I know is this. When they wrote out that note, they didn't end up with less joy. They ended up with more. And I ended up with more joy too. Every one of us has an opportunity this week to be looking for opportunities to see God in action. And this is how God's work. In God's economy, when you give away what God gives you, you don't end up with less. You always end up with more. Why wouldn't we want to try that? So two quick questions. What if God is asking you to choose joy even if you don't feel like it? Because I know there are people in the room and it's just been a very, very difficult season. You're like, Grant, but I don't feel like it. That's not joy. That's happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Joy stays with us. Joy is a decision you have to choose. And God says he'll give it to you. Question number two, how is God asking you to step out of your comfort zone for the sake of someone else's joy? Some of you need to go home this weekend, pick up a phone and call somebody just to tell them you care. Give away a little bit of joy, I promise you'll get some back. Some of you need to check in on a neighbor. Some of you need to step out of your comfort zone and do something that's a little bit crazy, something a little crazy generous. I just want to encourage you to take the step. If you're struggling with joy, give some away and watch what happens in your heart and in your soul. And if you can't come up with a good idea, I got one for you. In fact, I have an appeal to you. The Bible has this beautiful little phrase. It says, make my joy complete. So here's what I'm asking Christ the King to do. I'm asking you to make my joy complete because a moment that I love more than any other moment during the church year is going to have to be a little different this year. Here's my favorite moment of the year. I love, I believe me, don't get me wrong. I love Easter. I love altar calls. I love when people come to Christ. I love all of those things. But there's one moment that I just love every single year. And it's the moment when as a church, we light a candle and sing Silent Night together on Christmas Eve. When I watch that light just spread out across the room, it just does something in my heart. I love it. Well, we've been talking about how are we going to do that Silent Night moment? How are we going to keep people safe? Because here's what we don't want people doing. We don't want people carrying flames around the building. We also don't want people going, oh, we're done. (sighs) Spread joy, not germs. Okay, that's what we're talking about, right? How are we going to do this? And how are we going to get candles? And all this kind of thing. So I'd like to invite you into a very different silent night moment this year that's going to be different but beautiful if we choose to see it as an opportunity, not an obstacle. I'd like to invite you to join our virtual silent night choir. We did something like this at Easter. We did a song called The Blessing. Do you know that as of today, that blessing video has been viewed more than 45,000 times? We've had people send us stories saying, I was in a world of hurt. You sang a blessing over me and God changed me. We've heard those kinds of stories. We're going to create another moment And we'll see what God's up to. All I know is God always has a plan. 
I'd like to invite you to join the virtual choir. In fact, I'm not going to invite you to join it. Andy's going to invite you to join it, and he's going to do it right now. Let's watch the video screens. Andy? Hey, church. My name's Andy, if I've not met you before, and I'm the worship director here at CTK. We've been looking ahead towards our Christmas Eve service, and we want to invite you to be a part of it. The last several years, we've sang Silent Night under candlelight all together in the same room. Now, we might not be able to be together all under the same roof, but we know that the Holy Spirit who lives in each and every one of us can unite us in this experience. So we want to invite you to be a part of a Christmas choir that's virtual. So all you have to do is light a candle, sing Silent Night with you and maybe your whole household, and send us a video. All singing abilities are welcomed. And I really mean that. All singing abilities are welcome. So you can find out more about this at ctk.church slash silent night. We can't wait to sing with you. So I'm asking you, would you make my joy complete by adding to the virtual choir? Andy said it, ctk.church slash silent night. I know there's a lot of stuff, right? Podcast.ctk.church. Just hang in there. Lots of information. The deadline is actually Monday. You have to go to the site and sing with the track because we all want to sing the same song at the same tempo in the same key, right? Kind of works better that way. Some of you are like, but it's just a little song video, Grant. Not if God has a plan. What if your family that can't be together this Christmas had an opportunity to see you pop up on the screen and sing Silent Night with them? I wonder if that might be something that you remember for the rest of your life. Remember that crazy Christmas when we had to do it different and God showed up? So before we come up with a thousand reasons of why joy is more challenging this year than every other year, I just want to share God's heart with you for your joy. This is simply for your reflection today, and I also believe that God's opinion about joy matters. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If your heart is filled with joy, it'll bubble over. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That right there, that is the marching orders for Christmas. So I'm going to get ready to wrap up. Some of you are looking at your clock going, uh, we're early. <laughs> I know. Isn't it joyful? <laughs> but before we wrap up, I just want to share one more thing with you. This past Thursday, Laurel and I were in what we call our Jesus room in our house. And we were coming together to share a little Jesus time. One of the beautiful things of this pandemic has been that we've actually been able to spend more time together praying and reading Jesus's love letter to the two of us. As is somewhat normal, I, I tend to get ahead of myself and ahead of God on a fairly regular basis. So we were getting ready to dive into the word and God kind of slowed me down through the very wise words of my wife. And we stopped and we prayed something a little different. God, would you give us something special? Would you give us something 
that could only come from you for our lives right now because we need that. We need a special gift from you, from your lips to our ears. That's what we're looking for. The day before we'd read, or, or one of the days before we read a little something, and then we read this. The Bible says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but, but, your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is being born into the world. So with you, now's the time of your grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will be able to take away your joy. Here's what I know. Joy heals. Joy heals grief. Joy, joy heals sadness. Joy, joy pushes back against darkness. Joy can transform anything. And he explains it through the birth of a baby. If that's not Christmas, I don't know what is. It goes on. It says, until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Some of us need to ask God a tiny little prayer. Jesus, will you please give me joy? I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know God's answer to that prayer. Yes. I will give you joy. And then there's this beautiful little section where Jesus has been talking in code and finally the disciples are just like, we finally figured it out. You're actually talking about the fact you're going back to the Father, but then you're coming back for us again. It's the most amazing thing. And Jesus responds to the fact that they finally get it and they finally experience joy. And this is what Jesus says. You believe at last. At last. You finally got it. And then Jesus says, but a time is coming and it's come. Boy, you want to talk about relevant? Here it comes when you will be scattered each to your own home. That's incredible. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was mapping a message because he always has a plan and he wants his kids to know. You will be scattered each to your own home. And then he says, and I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You'll have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And those words right there lit up my heart in a way that I have not experienced in a very long time. God has a plan. Jesus is going to win. And out of that, I receive nothing but pure Christmas joy. How about you? How about you? So we're going to wrap up our time together today and I would love to pray over those in our church family who are struggling with joy this year. I know it's been a difficult season, but I would love to pray the joy of Jesus over you right now, no matter what it is that you're facing. I'd also like to give an opportunity to those of you who may be watching or in the room who have never experienced 
a personal relationship with Jesus because what I know is this, when you know Jesus, you experience joy. And I'd love to give you an opportunity to be welcomed into God's family. Last weekend, just at the, just at the 930 service, 18 people accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Like, Merry Christmas, isn't that amazing? And I believe we need to be faithful in creating that opportunity because what the world needs right now more than anything is joy. And if joy only comes from Jesus, it would make sense we should introduce people to Jesus. So we're going to pray together. And then we're going to experience joy in a different way maybe than you ever have before. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the beautiful promise that you've overcome the world. Because that just gives us great joy today. God, in the midst of all the darkness and the questions, you raised up a group of people who said yes to your incredible plan. And I pray that we would say yes to your incredible plan right now. So God, for those who are struggling with joy, I pray that they would see joy is a choice. It's a decision. And when you choose joy and give away joy, you end up not with less, but with more. So God, help us to fully enter into your Christmas joy this year. God, for those who are watching or in the room right now, who have never experienced the joy of knowing Jesus, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and Prince of Peace. I pray right now they would pray a simple, raw prayer in their heart. Jesus, I don't have any joy. I don't have any hope. I don't have any peace. So instead of turning away from you, I'm going to turn towards you. Jesus, thank you that you came on that first Christmas because you love me. Right now I confess I'm a sinner and sinners need saviors and that's who you are. So God, I confess my sin to you. I repent and turn away from it and I ask, God, would you walk with me for the rest of my life? God, would you give me joy? even when I don't feel it. God, would you give me hope? Would you give me peace? God, I don't deserve to be welcomed into your family, but I thank you so much that you said if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that means we get to be adopted into your family. I humbly ask for salvation today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, boy, I'd love to pray for you this week. So right here in the room, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Just stick it straight up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God, thank you that lives are still being changed. God, that gives me so much joy. I can't even imagine how much joy it brings you. So God, thank you for those in the room who've given their heart to Jesus today. May they experience truly the joy of Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.